Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has all the odds, props, promos, and parlays you need during the bowl season in college football. 40 bowl games, a chaotic playoff picture that's going to have Michigan versus Alabama, Washington versus Texas, great college football on the way. You can use our promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V with the link in the description to this episode and you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at Bet Online Sportsbook. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hey, Razor, you got me? I got you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you this morning? I'm cold. I'm cold. <laughs> oh, welcome to winter. Welcome to winter. Yeah, it is chilly here in the Tar Heel State, sitting at about 40 degrees, a little bit of wind. Ooh, spicy. I think we're sitting at about 48 this morning, so. Okay. Okay. Fortunately, I'm inside. You are you are braving the elements to uh, to come to us. Well, I guess first question I have for you, and I'm just curious because I was following your uh, your Twitter. Are you one of the poor souls that had Miami Dolphins money line? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. There, there, the price was too rich for my blood. I, you know, it's crazy on Monday Night Football uh, a few days ago. I didn't play any of it. I just didn't like them. You know, I was a little scared of uh, Tommy Cutlets. Um, and also a little scared of a Green Bay team who I feel is vastly overrated. They don't have a ton of weapons. So I just stayed out of it, and I'm glad I did because uh, I'm not sure what direction I would have played in with Green Bay, uh, New York, but I uh, didn't, didn't, didn't touch either game. And it was going so well for Miami. Like I, I didn't get a chance to talk about it this week on the podcast because of uh, Shohei Otani signing <laughs> the same weekend, but I mean yeah. – the Dolphins had not just the win, but the cover of 13 and a half against the Titans, who are like one of the four teams in the AFC who can't make the playoffs at this point. It was absolutely incredible to see them fall apart at the end of that game. And I knew it was a historic collapse, but I didn't know it was, hey, this hasn't happened in seven years because teams down 14 with three minutes to play were 0 and 767. And none of the teams that had done it in the last 40 years had done it in regulation like the Titans did. It just I simply could not believe that the Dolphins found a way to piss that one away. Yeah, so I think, you you know, you're not going to meet a ton of Miami money line betters out there. The price tag had to be probably, I don't even know, maybe, maybe, maybe close to minus 2000. But you, you, you probably if you wanted to, if you search for them, you find some survivor players out there. How do you sleep at night, right? You've already made it this far. That's a slam dunk survivor play. Those people I have sympathy for because that's that's a path to next week, and it was just absolutely robbed. And, uh, you know, Miami, over the course of December, I think they are now 1-5 in, in their last six games. So consider this uh, as, as something to look at as the Miami Dolphins continue on this path through now through New Year's Eve. It's uh, a little scary to back the Dolphins. 
Yeah, I'm looking at some places had minus 900. Some places had it up to minus 1,200 on the Dolphins. Okay, so it wasn't um, that high, but still too high. So, yeah, I mean, you could have parlayed Miami and, and Green Bay together in a money line parlay. Uh, you still will be paying a hefty price. You probably marry them together, and you're still paying minus $4. But uh, obviously it was the wrong way to do it because both, play, both uh, teams – did not come through, but uh, yeah, I'm glad I stayed out of it. To be honest with you, it was, it was, a, it was a very, very weird double header on Monday Night Football. Same thing for the triple header on Saturday. Kind of, kind of tough to handicap. Yeah, because the last time we had one of these triple headers, we had the Vikings pull off the greatest comeback in the history of professional sp- of professional football against the Colts. So I'm, uh, I'm just curious to see where they go with everything this Saturday because. I mean, you've got Vikings Bengals, which, you know, both teams are seven and six, but it's weird to say that both teams are seven and six. And then you've got seven and six Steelers versus seven and six Colts. And then you have seven and six Broncos against team that probably should be seven and six in the Detroit Lions. So I'm just looking up and I'm thinking, like, is every team just kind of in the middle right now? Yeah, really, really tough slate ahead of, ahead of us right now. And I just don't know what direction to go to on these Saturday games. Probably one of those situations where don't get greedy, don't get too excited. I mean, it's a massive day for Saturday football, right? We have five bowl games. Do I have that right? I mean, that's that's incredible. Times three NFL games. My math is correct on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a... It's a heck of a Saturday coming up here for uh, for college and pro football. Whether you bet it or not, you, you should have an exciting day ahead. But I uh, I I'm out on uh, some of these games as we get closer. These are really tough games. I feel like you know, be smart, especially in the bowl seats. I know we're going to talk about probably college football here soon, but I say this on your podcast the last three years of the NCAA tournament. I'll kind of echo it with bowl games. You can't bet all the games. You can't win. It's impossible. You know, there are so many things going on during the week when these kids are traveling to El Paso, Texas for the Sun Bowl, traveling to Vegas for the Vegas Bowl that you don't know about. So I my my advice is pick your spot. And then I also advise people, if you're really a, just a hardcore gambler and need to bet, get involved with some contests for pizza money, right? Get involved with a contest that's, you know, $20 buy-in, 100 people in there. And if that's what you need to satisfy, you know, to win $1,500 or $2,000, that's the way to go for the bowl season. I could tell you right now, I don't, I don't know anybody who bets 80% or more of the slate and wins. This is just throwing darts uh, sometimes with these bowl games that start on December 16th and don't mean too much going through the 29th of December. Very difficult to hand again. And a lot of the teams that are playing in these bowl games don't necessarily reflect the teams that you've seen in the regular season. They don't. Changes a lot of the math there. Yeah. Players opt out. That's another big thing. You got to, you really got to do your homework. You really just can't look at the regular season. You can't just look at the superstars either. You know, wide receivers out, quarterbacks out. Well, the other team may have their whole offensive line out, right? That's, just it's so important to have your offensive line intact and if they're missing three out of five guys uh, that's major trouble for the team that you're not even looking at because you just see on the opposite side of the ball oh they're missing their star wide receiver well that other team's going to be in better shape if the other team has their o-line out 
or in a game like Troy versus Duke, which is in the Birmingham Bowl, like you have, you know, Duke has lost their head coach. Mike Elko is now at Texas A&M. You know, Riley Leonard's transferred to Notre Dame. You know, the big names are out. And so understandably, Troy's a seven and a half point favorite. But then on the flip side, Troy's coaching staff is now at the University of Tulane, I want to say. So you look up and it's like, oh, or yeah, I think I got that right. I think they went to Tulane. So you look up and it's like, okay, Troy, who just had this incredible season where they won the Sun Belt, is also losing key pieces on the team. But yet somehow they come to the math that Troy is a seven and a half point favorite in that game because of everything that Duke's losing. It's just it's so hard to to prognosticate it accurately with some of it, these it games. Is. Pick your spots. Pick your spots and get involved with the contest. If you're involved with gambling when it comes to both season, you're not going to win if you're betting 80% or more of these games. Well, since we're here on the bowl games, uh, what are your general thoughts about college football, the playoff bowl season, and uh, any all and above that has piqued your interest? Because the last time we talked was right before conference championship week and before they announced the playoff. Yeah, I had some really bad plays to give out on your podcast. I like the Georgia money line. I like the Oregon money line, even though I played Washington against the spread. Uh, it was a very, it was a tough weekend to handicap everything. You know, Florida State being left out. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I know there are a lot of people that will disagree, and the people that disagree with me, I, I tell them, sure, I understand. You're, you're, you, you're probably right as well. You know, I feel like there's no right or wrong answer in this situation. Um, but if we're putting the best four teams in the playoffs, I almost want to say Georgia should probably be the number four seed, to be honest with you. Um, or, you know, take out Texas, put in Alabama. I, there's no easy way to do this. And, of course, the athletics director of NC State, Boo Kerrigan, who is uh, was the chairman of this committee, took a lot of heat in the ACC. He's probably the most hated person here on the east coast of the United States. But um, it was a difficult decision. I, I respect what they did. I mean, Florida State, again, we, we take a look at the top eight teams in the country. Uh, name one of those teams were on a neutral field where FSU right now is going to be favored to win. Uh, they're not. They're, they're a double-digit dog against most of these teams, and that's, that's obviously on display down in Miami Gardens as a 14-point dog against Georgia. So I'm okay with that decision. Uh, Alabama-Michigan, really interesting. Short line there for the Wolverines, best team in the country, uh, taking on uh, Alabama, who is playing great football, but are they? You know, I, I think I think you got to remember, short memory here, Alabama looked horrific against Auburn. Auburn is a bad football team overall, right? So, you know, a lot of steam for the Alabama Crimson Tide in this game. A ton of steam. I think a lot of people are back in the Tide. They're back in the traditional SEC powerhouse. The SEC typically does beat Big Ten teams in these spots. Georgia escaped last year, but Ohio State should have won. I'm back in Michigan. I, I just think they're the better football team overall. I think that, you know, the Iowa game, we talked about how funny that would be, you know, the over under, you know, half a point still still found its way under the total for team total. Uh, this Michigan defense is going to is really, I think, going to stop Alabama. I think the Michigan defense is actually better than Georgia's. Uh, give me uh, Michigan money line there. 
And I'll, I'll go with the other with the other game. I, I just think Texas is playing really, really good football. And, and last time I played Oregon Moneyline and Washington against the spread. This time the speed of Texas I think is much, much more elusive than Oregon. I'm not going to take Washington against the spread. I'll lay whatever it is. Maybe it's $2 south of $2. I think Texas wins this game. I think the two favorites – emerge here. I think we get Michigan-Texas, uh, a Rose Bowl rematch from about 2006 or, or five, whenever that was. It meant really nothing. It was just one of those BCS games, but uh, it was a really good game. So give me Michigan and give me Texas to win. I hate doubting Washington because they don't lose, but I just think Texas is playing really good football on both sides of the ball. What they did to Oklahoma State was quite impressive to blow them out the way they did. It feels like Texas is the team that, or I'm sorry, it feels like Washington is the team that's gotten you all season so far because every week yeah. it feels like you're betting against Washington against uh, on the money line, and every week Washington comes back and somehow finds a way to win, even when it's uh you know a last second field goal against Wazoo or barely winning against an Arizona team or barely pulling off the victory against Oregon. It feels like every week is the week that Washington's finally going to fall off and every week they keep winning. But I, it's interesting you said that because I, I would have gone in the other direction and said Washington here. I, I think right now I'm looking for a good money line other than the, uh, the spread because I know Texas is sitting at about like a four and a half, four point favorite right now. But I would have thought that would be good value on Washington. It is good value. That. Yeah. And sometimes you bet the number and the value and not the team. And I do agree with people who do that. I think if you're, if you look at the resume, as you say, okay, they may, they match up, right? They match up very equally. Let's just look at this. A lot of what ifs, right? But Texas is, not, is an undefeated team if they don't play prevent defense against Oklahoma, right? These are two very, very close teams when it comes to resume. And the value play is Washington. No question. I agree with anyone to, to grab the plus 150, whatever it may be, plus 160 uh, on the Huskies. I just love what I've seen out of Texas over the month of November and into the early part of December, more so than what I love out of the kids from Seattle. The performance against Oregon and Vegas was pretty good. It wasn't amazing, but it was pretty good. That's a really, really impressive uh, defense on display in Vegas. But you look at the Wazoo game, Kyle. You look at the Arizona game, Kyle. Even the Stanton, Stanford games, the, 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 the Washington Huskies have escaped. That USC game in the first half, Southern California scored at will. I mean, I, I just think Texas is the better team. And I just, I, I'm not going to bet the value in this spot. I'm going to bet the better team. And as long as we're south of 250, I'm okay with that. I see Washington hanging around that 150, 160 range like you were talking about. Some places even have it plus 154. So right smack in the middle of what you're saying. That seems to be... Yeah. The general consensus on Washington going into the Rose Bowl. I don't really buy into the whole like West Coast benefit there because I think the trip from Washington and from Austin, Texas is roughly about the same distance to Southern California. So I don't think that makes that much of a difference. Maybe like a time zone difference will be there, but like I don't think that that makes any difference. I did kind of find the strategy interesting that the number one team gets to. Uh, I'm sorry, they're going to the Sugar Bowl. That's my bad. They're going I, to the Sugar I, I don't want to correct you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this is no, I, yep. I, I meant that on purpose because I reversed it in my head. I thought the strategy was interesting of 
Michigan, who is the number one seed, gets to pick which bowl game they get to go to. And Michigan picked to go to the Rose Bowl, despite the fact that it was a longer trip for them. But if they're playing Alabama, they're right in the middle of SEC country if they go to play in the Sugar Bowl. And I thought that was a really interesting strategy that they chose, that Michigan actively chose to go play in the Rose Bowl as the number one seed. Whereas like if Georgia had been the number one seed the last uh, last year when they were the number one seed, they actively picked the Peach Bowl because that's right in their backyard. And I thought that was a really interesting strategy that Michigan chose that people weren't really talking about, that they actively wanted to go play in the Rose Bowl. Easy decision, right? Your your fan base covets being in the Rose Bowl with all the tradi- tradition of the 80s and 90s and even the 70s when the Big Ten champion had the right to play in the Rose Bowl. A ton of history there for the Big Ten in Michigan. And like you alluded to, get those Alabama fans away from the Mercedes. Uh, the Mercedes, I don't even know what it's called now. Is it called the FanDuel or Mercedes? I think it's uh, Caesar Superdome Sportsbook. Or Caesar yeah. Sportsbook. My apologies to Caesars, the Caesars Sportsbook, uh, you know, Superdome. Get them away from that. That's not that's not easy to get to, to California, right? For for anybody, right? But let alone people from Alabama, where the airports are not 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 easy to get to LAX, right? So you will see, in my opinion, if I had to put money on it, and we all know I like to put money on things. I'll go with 69% Michigan fans at, in, in Pasadena. It's just tough. Those Michigan fans have a great airport. Detroit, a hub of Delta, straight to LAX, I think an easier path for, uh, versus the Alabama faithful. So what are some of the non-playoff games that you're interested in? I know I'm excited about Missouri and Ohio State. That's one of the few non-playoff games that I will probably sit down and try to watch most of. Uh, I'm excited about your boys at NC State getting to eat a live Pop-Tarts mascot, potentially. <laughs> uh, Arizona-Oklahoma is interesting in the Alamo Bowl. What are some of the uh, the non-power or non-playoff bowl games that have caught your eye? Yeah, I would say uh, a Big 12 rematch that, that I always love when Texas A&M plays Big 12 teams in the Texas Bowl. Uh, A&M versus Oklahoma State. It's not that the game... Of the, there's not these two teams that are super intriguing. It's nostalgic for me. I love, you know, the old, the old conference, you know, alignment from the 90s and early 2000s. So that game has my interest, not so much a betting game, but just I, I like to see Texas AM play uh, Big 12 teams. Uh, you alluded to Arizona, Oklahoma. I, I think uh, really have to look at the opt outs, but, you know, does Oklahoma care? You know, that, that, that's the thing. Do, do these kids care? Is Gabriel, I assume is not playing as he uh, is ready to go to Eugene, Oregon. Maybe I'm wrong, but I assume he's out. Um, Arizona, this is a big deal for them, right? I mean, the Alamo Bowl has traditionally been a big deal for middle-of-the-road Pac-12 teams, and I think it doesn't mean as much to the Sooners. So kind of like the Arizona money line there, but still so far away from um, playing that game. Another really cool game is uh, Oregon State versus Notre Dame. That was a a huge game back in the late 90s in the Fiesta Bowl. Those teams were really good. That was Chad Ochocinco's team for Oregon State playing Notre Dame. Uh, this is this is a good game. Two top 20 teams in El Paso, Texas. Notre Dame, I think, is a seven-point favorite. Uh, their coach, Oregon State's coach, is gone. Um, I, I kind of 
kind of lean Notre Dame money line, and of course, marrying these, marrying them with someone is something I'll have to do. I think the Peach Bowl is interesting. You know, Penn State. You know, you know this guy Franklin. He beats everybody except Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, you know, I, I think they're the they're the probably the the bigger team. Obviously, offense and defensive line. I think there'll be a big discrepancy there for Ole Miss. I think they'll struggle there. The skill players on the offensive side of the ball vastly better from the guys from Oxford. That's an intriguing game. If there's a lot of steam on Ole Miss, I think I'll take Penn State likely with knowing that they will dominate the offense and defensive line sides of the ball. So I think that's a really good matchup. You know, Mizzou, Ohio State is tough to really for me to care about, you know, when you don't have your QB1 in the game. I just feel like, you know, I still think Ohio State's the better football team probably, but Missouri's played great ball. Um, That's a game that, sure, I'll watch. It's the Cotton Bowl. You want to get excited about some of these games. Um, so those are probably the, the ones that really stand out to me. Um, you know, how can you get excited about Iowa playing anybody? You know, the Citrus Bowl, usually a good game uh, with, with you know, the number three or four team from the Big Ten versus the number three or four team from the SEC. And that's just a bad game. You know, I mean, Tennessee is so Jekyll and Hyde. And then you play a team like Iowa where – they're not scoring. I can't get ex- I can't. I can't get involved with that game or get excited. Um, so those are the games that that really stand out. I'd like to look at maybe a game that's really nobody cares about that maybe early on. And I would say it's Air Force versus James Madison. Kyle, if you had Air Force over eight and a half wins back in early November, you're going to the ticket line and you're asking the lady or gentleman who's there to cash it. But then you're not. Because they've lost four in a row and they finished eight and four. This was a really good Air Force team that has totally crapped the bed in the month of mid-November through early December. And JMU robbed of an opportunity to win their conference championship. This is a good football team, but I don't know if they can stop this Air Force, this Air Force offense, if they can get back to what what, what they were doing uh, back in September and October. That's an intriguing game on Christmas Eve Eve, Saturday, 3:30. The Armed Forces Bowl, I think that's a game that you want to keep your eye on in Fort Worth, Texas. All right. There's a lot of stuff in there. Like just the we we didn't get a chance to talk. We joked about the Iowa Nebraska game, but we didn't get a chance to really talk about the Iowa Nebraska game because that game was 14 punts, two missed field goals, two interceptions in the last, what was it, a minute of the game that led to a game-winning field goal by Iowa's backup kicker that cashed the under 24 and a half. Just chef's kiss for peak Iowa-Nebraska Black Friday game. That was in there. Um, Ole Miss and Penn State was another game that I forgot earlier that I think is intriguing, but not necessarily one that I will watch because I made a promise after that Michigan-Penn State game that I would never watch a Penn State game again for the next two years out of punishment for that terrible offense that they put forward. I think that's interesting. Um, You mentioned the Oregon State-Notre Dame game, and God, I just feel so bad for Oregon State because... Of, of Jonathan Smith leaving in the way he did where uh, Oregon State was really upset at the end because at his pre- at his press conference, he was like, I'd been thinking about this for weeks and Oregon State's season kind of fell off in the last couple weeks. And 
It's just, it was the whole mess with the way that he left there. So you're right. The sun bowl is just going to be exciting to watch. And uh, yeah, I think you, you touched on a, a lot of fun games. Kansas UNLV is another one that I thought was fun. Cause you don't usually ever see those teams in bowl games, period. <laughs> so yeah. having yeah, them play against great each other is fun. Uh, I think UNLV had the longest streak of not going to a bowl game of any FBS team until they, I mean, Kansas had the previous longest streak and then Kansas has made it three years in a row. And I think UNLV had the, the new streak. So that'll be fun as well. There's just, there's, there's some teams that are just predictable in there. And I think Penn state checks the box for you. They're always going to be in either the citrus bowl or they're going to be in the uh, the the Peach Bowl or whatever the sixth New Year's Six game is. That seems to be the territory that Penn State occupies. Because you're right, they they're always ten and two, always with two losses against Ohio State and Michigan every year. And sometimes they'll lose a third game to like Iowa or something like that. But they're they're always in the nine to ten win range, and there's a real value to that. But it's also just frustrating that you know what the ceiling is for the program. Yeah, as easy as it, as it is to bash Franklin, I thought, you know, listen, you went to the Rose Bowl last year, you got it done, you beat Utah as a, maybe a six-point dog. I this, this guy, you know, he's frustrating, I'm sure, for the State College faithful, but my goodness, look at his resume if you take away the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. It's really remarkable how many wins he has and such few losses, and so... I think he's probably the better coach here than Kiffin, even though Kiffin has, you know, all of the all of the swag and all of the all of the weapons. I just kind of trust Franklin a little more in this spot. I think what he does in these bowl games, I feel like he just he gets it done. He makes it out to be like their playoff. And if if I had to bet it right now, Kyle, if you if you force me to bet the game, I think I take up Penn State. I know as as disgusting as it is watching them play Michigan, watch them play other teams. They're pretty good. So uh, that's a, that's an interesting game to me. I know that's an early kickoff for you too. I think that's probably a noon game, so that makes it tough for you out there on the West Coast. Yeah, I like nine a.m. football now yeah. and again, but yeah. like I said, I I I refuse to watch Penn State play football because of what they what they did last year, which. Another interesting thing that uh, you mentioned Kiffin a second ago that I don't think it's talked about enough with him. This is his second New Year's Six bowl game in three years at the helm at Ole Miss. And that's something that you're just not used to seeing at Ole Miss. One, the consecutive runs of making it to what is essentially third place in the SEC. You know, they played in the Sugar Bowl two years ago against Dave Aranda's Baylor team. And then this year they're going to play Penn State in the... uh, that's Peach Bowl, I think. So, you know, it they're is, going yeah, to Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going back to a major like they're playing in the game that the third place SEC team plays in. And I think that's something that you don't usually see one Ole Miss having third place in the SEC twice in three years. But two, that coach ends up sticking around for years after the fact. So I think that that's something remarkable from the Ole Miss side that I don't think gets talked about enough is that they've had consecutive 10 win seasons down there and Jackson dart, who was supposed to be Caleb Williams before Caleb Williams is actually having a pretty good run there at Ole Miss. He is. And you're right. That spot usually is encompassed in the, you know, traditionally over the last 12, 15 years by, you know, a combination of Auburn LSU, and even maybe at times 
Florida and Tennessee, obviously not recent times, but back in the day, that third slot in the SEC, even Georgia, before Georgia became a powerhouse. You go back nine, ten years ago, Georgia typically would, you know, not be the SEC East champs, so they'd play in these type of games. So what, what, Ole Miss was never there. So Kiffin's done a tremendous job. I, I still like uh, Franklin in this spot, but uh, again, no play quite yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. You're still a few weeks out on that bowl game. And uh, yeah, there'll be some fun stuff going on in bowl week. I know uh, you'll be glued to a few of these games and uh, we'll probably check in at some point and just see how things are going along with uh, the bowl season. I want to swing back over to the NFL real quick here because I'm curious what you made of first the Buffalo Kansas city game from last week, you as a Buffalo bills fan, and daring to have expectations and and hoping that they will turn it around in what seems to be the last year with this current core of that group. Uh, and two, just kind of the AFC playoff picture at this point, because I I joke that the, uh, the Willy Wonka movie is coming out with Timothy Chalamet this week, and we should just have a Willy Wonka style like golden ticket competition, and whoever pulls the ticket gets the one seat in the AFC, because everyone in the AFC is just trying to piss away the number one seat at this point. So I'm, I'm just curious what you've made about Buffalo and the AFC and everything that's going on there. Yeah, I, I really am not impressed with Baltimore that that often you know at times i am but not always and i think they're going to end up the number one seed we'll start with that kansas city has you know pissed away their opportunity to win the number one seed and i i just think their lack of weaponry is certainly has been on display i mean travis kelsey there has to be a formula you know i think these defensive coordinators there has to be a formula to avoid that you know two touchdown for 97 yard games and we're not getting that right now with kelsey right because you don't have to worry about anybody else, you know, uh, catching the ball. It seems like for who do you trust out there to, tr- you know, to catch the ball besides Rice for Kansas City? Uh, the Miami Dolphins, I mean, listen, I would have actually given them a pretty good path at the one seed if they didn't blow that game in Nashville. So I, I still think Miami's really good. I really do. I, I think Miami's going to be a tough team to beat, uh, especially if they can host two games in the playoffs. Uh, going back to Buffalo, you know, I said the season was over when they lost to Philadelphia. And, you know, I still think that it's going to be really, really a tough road. What Buffalo Buffalo needs help here. They need Denver to really collapse because of that head-to-head loss. And I do believe between Indy, Houston, and Denver, the Bills can get some luck with two out of those three teams maybe losing the majority of their games uh, moving forward. And the Bills, you know, they have a big test. And I think Dallas is one of those teams where – when they travel and they play decent football teams, how much trust can you have in the Cowboys? The Bills laying two and a half is telling to me that the, the odds makers think the Bills are the better team uh, when they play the game in Buffalo. If the Bills win this game, and that's a big if, Kyle, I think they somehow get to the playoffs. I really do. And that's, you know, they're probably a team you don't want to see if you're Jacksonville or Miami or Kansas city in the first round. Uh, I I think that the bills offer a scary situation round one as a five, six or seven seed. Um, But it's a really tough uh, conference to handicap. Unlike the NFC where you have to think it's just really Dallas, Philly, San Francisco. And one of those teams will emerge. I think if Buffalo gets in the tournament, they can do it. 
they'll break our hearts, but they could do it, you know, and I think Miami can do it. I think Kansas City can do it. So I don't have a good path. If you made me bet right now, the AFC futures, I'm just going to bet value here, right? The opposite of betting on the Texas Longhorns with who I think is clearly the better team. Because I don't trust the Ravens. If the Ravens are the short favorite, I don't want that value. Give me a team like Buffalo in that situation, you know, who's probably a much higher, you know, much better plus money than Baltimore or KC or Miami. I don't like it. I don't know what to do here, but this is a every game now, I think, is the game of the year for Buffalo. Uh, None bigger than this one against Dallas at home. Yeah, the AFC standings are really interesting right now because as it stands, Kansas City is still sitting in the three seed and, and Baltimore plays Miami in week 17. So one of those teams is guaranteed a loss. And depending on, you know, which team wins and which team loses, there's still a outside chance looking in that Kansas City could jump into the one seed. But the more likely spot for them is the two seed, which could set them up against a, a seven-seeded Buffalo or a seven-seeded yeah. Cleveland, which would be just kind of interesting to watch in the first round. And and Baltimore, obviously, they play Jacksonville this week. I don't know if you've taken a, a look into some of your NFL plays yet for this week. I know we're recording this Thursday morning, but what do you make of Baltimore sitting as a three-point favorite at Jacksonville on Sunday Night Football? What a game. And I, I feel like, you know, is, is Trevor Lawrence healthy? We have to ask ourselves that. I think he looked pretty good against Cleveland at with his legs. I'm not saying he played played well because a lot of foolish things happened in that in that Cleveland game. Uh, Baltimore on the road has showed me they can win. You know, in situations where they're short favorites. I think um, when there was a little bit of hope for the Chargers three weeks ago, Baltimore went into Sunday Night Football and took care of business you know, fairly easily, not easily, but fairly easily. Uh, Baltimore has had some losses at home that have been crippling. They lost that game to Cleveland at home. They lost that game to Indy at home. So I I think that the Ravens at Jacksonville is an in-game play for me, Kyle. Um, If I had to take a pre-flop, I think this could be the get-right spot for the Jags. Um, if I do it pre-flop, I'd buy it up to three and a half and hope that this lands on a field goal for, you know, someone to win. So right now my, my intuition says Jack's plus three and a half, but more of an in-game play likely. If you're buying it up to Jaguars three and a half, would it just be better serving to take the Jaguars at say plus 140 on the money line potentially? In my opinion, no. I, I feel like this could be a field goal game and you would just hate to be in a situation where Justin Tucker breaks your heart as a Jacksonville <laughs> money line better when it when the score is tied at twenty four with thirty two seconds left. He does um, that a lot. He does do he that. He does a lot. that a lot. I'd rather pay a dollar forty five. Think about the numbers here. You'll probably pay a dollar thirty five to a dollar forty to buy it up. And you're mm-hmm. getting three and a half points as opposed to plus 140. The variance of 80 cents is that's sort of, you know, or a dollar to me is not there. It's not there. I, I want the points. I want the three and a half points in that situation. So to answer your question, some would disagree with me, I'm sure. And they rightfully should. But I like getting the points at home more so than the straight up win uh, with Justin Tucker. Uh, like I said, breaking possibly your heart at the end of the game. 
One thing that's also interesting is that most of the early money this week is on Baltimore, both on the money line and on the spread. I think right yeah. now, 70% of the bets on the spread are on Baltimore and 80% of the money uh, is on Baltimore minus 162, which it should be around like 56% if Vegas wants to get equal action both sides. But most early money is going to Baltimore, which I assume means once sharps get involved on Saturday or Sunday, that money will go towards Jacksonville. That loss to Cincinnati was crippling. They're not going to lose a division, but there's probably no path now to a buy. Probably right for Jacksonville to be the number one overall no, seed. It's not. No. It's not happening. If you beat Cincinnati and Cleveland. There's a path, right? And then because then you have a chance to beat Baltimore. And I think if they would have beaten Cincinnati and Cleveland, I think that line is Jacksonville one and a half. I really do. But the team's reeling right now. And you don't want to play a good team when you're reeling, right? So I think Jacksonville can do this. I'm just I would not play them in the money line. No. Yeah, and it's tough for Jacksonville because they are eight and five right now, and that should realistically put you in the path to to potentially get the number one seed, especially if you beat the Ravens, because then there's no team that has fewer than four losses in the AFC. The tough part for them is that Kansas City, who they lost to already this year, has the same record as them, and Kansas City's remaining schedule is Patriots, home against the Raiders, Jake Browning's Bengals, and the Chargers. So I know Kansas City's had a tough run of it, but Kansas City's probably going to go 4-0 the rest of the season. And so that puts Jacksonville in a tough place because then you have no path to jump Kansas City unless Kansas City loses one of these games the rest of the year. Jacksonville could be 10-3 right now. You know, yep. a, 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 a 10.5 point favorite home against Cincinnati, 3.5 point favorite against Joe Flacco could not get it done. That is your that's your season as far as in a nutshell as the one seed. I don't know if it matters to play the five seed or the seven seed in these situations, because I think if Buffalo is the seven seed, don't you fear Buffalo potentially more than Joe Flacco in the playoffs if Cleveland somehow emerges the five seed? I mean, it's just one of those things where I don't think it really matters if you're seated two, three, four. Obviously, yeah, that second home game does matter, but um, I, I just think it's a really tough tournament in the AFC. Well, this is where the AFC is so ridiculous right now because Joe Flacco's Cleveland Browns have the five seed at eight and five. But if they lose next week, there is basically no way they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, granted, they have the toughest strength of schedule, so they'll win some tiebreakers in there. But I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland's at eight and five. Pittsburgh seven and six. The Colts are seven and six. Buffalo's seven and six. Those Jake Browning Bengals I just dismissed, they're somehow seven and six now. The Texans are seven and six. The Broncos are seven and six. So you just look up and it's like, okay, all of these. Oh, and by the way, you know it's ridiculous right now because of all of them being in the AFC. Cincinnati, Buffalo, Houston, and Denver all have the exact, uh, or sorry, Denver, Houston, and Buffalo are all within uh, a, a 10 percentage points of each other for strength of schedule. So those strength of schedule tiebreakers are just going to keep flipping as the season goes along. So there's, I think there's just no way to predict who the three wildcard teams are going to be in the AFC. You're just going to have to hope that you get lucky when the draw comes through. If you're uh, Miami, Kansas City, Jacksonville, the teams who will be seated probably two through four in the AFC.
it's incredible. And you look at the seven and six teams. I mean, they have brutal, not brutal matchups, but Denver at Detroit. Detroit coming off a beatdown in the Windy City. That's a tough spot for Denver to go to Detroit right there. Tech, the Houston, Texas, are they fugazi? We're going to find out because I don't think Tennessee is very good. But this is a tough spot for Houston. Tennessee laying as, as a three-point favorite. I don't know. I'm not touching that yet. But I can tell you right now, if Houston loses this game, they got problems. I think it's going to be a tough path for them. The Bills, two-point favorite against a very good football team. It's The Bills are in a good spot here because they're going to see what unfolds on Saturday and on Sunday early afternoon. If a lot of the teams that are 7-6 and six lose, that should give them a lot of you know, the moxie to say, okay, a lot less pressure on us, right? If we win this game, driver's seat. We're probably the 5-6 seed right now. Lose this game, we're right back where we were going into the game. Everybody lost. It really starts in Detroit. If the Broncos lose this game, Buffalo should feel really good about their chances to somehow sneak in the playoffs because they have a pretty good schedule. The Miami game week 18 will be telling. If Miami is locked into a two seed, I don't think the Dolphins, just like we see it every year, do they go all out for four quarters? Yes, they will play their guys the first half. But Mike McDaniel will take a beating if Tua got hurt second half, right? Uh, somehow. You just can't do it. It doesn't make sense to, to play your guys for four quarters if you're locked into a two spot. So that's a good scenario for Buffalo to be in if that happens. Yeah. And I guess Buffalo, I mean, the thing that's good for them is a lot of these seven and six teams are playing against each other, but I guess they're rooting for at this point, the Colts to beat the Steelers. And it just comes down to like the smallest fraction of tiebreakers. That's determining the difference there. It's just, it's so interesting that I mean, every year we talk about the teams that are always just globbed together in the AFC. We do something called the mixies where just everyone is mixed together and they're all have a puncher's chance at the playoffs. But this year, <laughs> legitimately in the AFC, all of the playoff spots are up in the air because there, there's just so many teams that are actively trying to win in the AFC that they, they've all just mashed into the middle because they've been winning games that they shouldn't against, you know, the Colts beating the Ravens. Should not have happened, but here we are now. The Colts are seven and six instead of six and seven. And if the Colts were sitting at six and seven, we'd believe in them a lot less than them actively sitting in the playoffs right now. Or the Broncos beating the Bills on that Monday night game was just a fugazi result that now flips the tide for you know the Broncos have a chance to make the playoffs instead of Buffalo being firmly in the five seed. So it's just all of it is is wild to watch in real time and piecing it together has been really interesting to watch there and i mean four of those seven and six teams that are four of the six in the afc are all playing on saturdays so like you said it'll be very interesting to see what happens in those saturday games and early sunday games because you will have all those results in hand going into cowboys and bills yeah i i think that this weekend not only having the triple header on Saturday, but the value of these games being so high are just so much fun to watch and so incredible. So, yeah, buckle up and get ready for uh, what is going to be a massive weekend in uh, college football and pros.
Can I interest you in any Easton Stick versus Aiden O'Connell? Is that anything you care about? <laughs> uh, tonight, Kyle, I'm going to do myself a favor. I'm going to do my family a favor, and I'm out. Um, I'm out. I'm just going to maybe watch some Netflix with my wife, Play put, a, put together a FanDuel lineup for fun, You know, maybe sprinkle in some pizza beer money, 10 to 20 bucks on some FanDuel lineups, and maybe get lucky and, and produce a number of a uh, $50, $60 winner in these tournaments just for fun. But uh, no, I have no interest. I think that both teams are going nowhere, unfortunately. Um, I thought there was a little bit of steam for the Raiders uh, when Pierce came in. Obviously, that was a lot was had to do with who their opponents were during those two weeks. But um, they don't have the personnel to do anything right now. Um, maybe that will change next year. But um the Chargers are dead and the Raiders are dead. And this is just for the gamblers. And obviously it's for the gamblers because the game is in Las Vegas. So uh, good luck to those who bet it. I have no opinion on this game whatsoever. I think if you had to bet it, you take the home team uh, against the backup quarterback. But I don't see how you can feel great about, uh, you know, laying points at the Raiders anytime. Who is going to win the NFC South? I think I think the best team in the South is New Orleans, but they just can't figure out how to string together three wins in a row, and uh, let alone two wins in a row. Uh, they are the best team. Now, are they going to win it? I don't think they are. I think it's Baker Mayfield, to be honest with you. I think that Tampa is the team in the right seat right now. I think Atlanta's defense is horrible. Um, I think Ritter is average. The Saints defense is good. The offensive weapons they have are good, but they just can't be trusted. I mean, this is an opportunity. You gotta beat you have to beat New York at home. I mean, the Giants are not good. And I don't I mean, they're just they're just winning. But I mean, the weaponry in New York is pretty awful, Kyle, outside of Barkley, right? I mean, you sprinkle in a little bit of Wandale Robinson and you know, a couple other guys at times that that somehow emerge with some uh with some stats, but other than that, I mean, they're not a good football team. So, yeah, New Orleans has to win this game. If they can win this game uh, on Sunday, that gives me a little more confidence in their ability to win the South. But right now, my money's on Tampa. Tampa, Tampa is the team, I think, that probably will win the South. But New Orleans is the best team. Okay. I just wanted to hear your expert opinion. I, I was going to look – I was – while you were saying this, I was going to look up the future schedules for these teams. Then in my mind, I'm like, why the hell would I look up the future schedules of the of the Falcons, Saints, and Bucks? One of the teams has to make the playoffs, but I'd be totally fine if they all were not allowed in the playoffs. I, I know there that there's there's only three and a half good teams in the in the NFC this year, but I'm still just like, God, I don't actually care that much what happens to the NFC South. We're just forced to put a team. It's weird that the NFC, I've wanted to do NFC analysis. I'm like, the NFC is exactly the same as last year, like tit for tat, exactly the same as last year. It is the 49ers, Cowboys and Eagles are the three teams that are good. The winner of the NFC North is going to get the three seed, but also could totally lose their first playoff game because I don't believe in the Detroit Lions at all. And then everyone else is just kind of middling for playoff spots that don't actually matter. And I just can't believe that the NFC is the exact same as last year. And that rarely ever happens in the NFL. We talk about parody all the time in that sport, but it's literally the exact same NFC as last year. 
Yeah, the Lions will be the three seed. There's no question about that. And they'll play a pretty bad six seed that just like the Giants, I thought were a pretty bad six seed last year. And somehow the Vikings blew that. I thought Minnesota was a decent football team last year, but that's, you know, they'll, they'll do what they do. I think this time the Lions will beat whoever is seeded six in this situation and probably, you know, not, not look too bad against Philadelphia. Um, I think Philly will end up being on the two line. And I think Detroit Philly has, has some interest to it. You know, I, I, I question the secondary of the Philadelphia Eagles, right? If, if all the receivers are healthy along with Sam Laporta, that's not a guarantee win for the Eagles against Detroit, right? I think that, that I mean, Jared Goff outside elements that that you you're going to struggle with as a Detroit backer in that situation. But um, the Lions, I feel like, unless it's an epic collapse against the six seed, that who could be a six seed in this situation, right? I mean, you probably, I mean, it could be Minnesota, it could be the Vikings as the six seed, it could be the Packers as the six seed, could be the Rams, which I think the, the you know the wheels are could come off for the Rams, but it could be the Seahawks. I mean, these are just bad teams, you know, that, that Detroit really should take advantage of. But I've named a couple of these teams that Detroit's already lost to, right? So who knows? Mm-hmm. They've already lost to the Packers. They've already lost to the Seahawks. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation that's going to brew uh, in, in the NFC. But I think we want to see Philly, San Francisco, or maybe even Dallas, uh, San Francisco. But and I'll tell you what, San Francisco, man, boy, they put a beating on both of those two squads this year. And I think they are clearly the best team overall in this whole whole football league in my mind and i know the result didn't turn out this way because they came back at the end but in my mind the detroit lions lost to the chicago bears twice yes i just can't trust a team that lost to the bears twice (laughs) yeah i feel like the detroit team will will be under a lot of pressure in that home uh wild card game right but i feel like they'll play loose at Philly, if that's how the tournament unfolds, right? Detroit is a three seed, which is kind of almost a lock, right? If Detroit can beat Denver and win one of the two games that they have left against Minnesota, because I think they haven't played Minnesota yet. I think there's two games left on the schedule, which is crazy. Perhaps they play like week 15, week 18. I'm not sure. You have to look that up, but I don't think the, the Lions have played the Vikings yet. Uh, and I think that, that, that I think you, 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 you beat Denver, you win one of those games against Minnesota, win another game, they're locked into the three seed. Yeah, you got it right. So they play the Broncos this week on Saturday. Then they're at the Vikings, at the Cowboys, home against the Vikings to end the season. And then they yeah, might they play the Vikings in the wild card. Exactly. They lose to Dallas. And I feel like, you know, they they have to beat Denver this week at home. And I feel like split with Minnesota, lose to Dallas two and two, you're going to be seated three. Yeah. I hope they beat Denver this week because Lord knows I don't want to see Denver in the playoffs this year. Please, please don't. (laughs) Don't unless they play Kansas City, because then Kansas City will just run rough shot over Denver. But I just I don't want to see Denver in the playoffs. They they are only here right now because of that wonky result. One, the, the Patrick Mahomes flu game. That was a wonky result. And two, the flip the bills the bills snatching defeat from the jaws of victory game that was on Monday Night Football. They they should probably be in that five and eight group with the Chargers and Raiders. There are no words to describe that loss to uh, that. That was a that was a crushing loss for me. I believe that's so far back. I've, you know who remembers everything with all the all the wagers I've made. But I feel like I had the Bills money line as a final leg of a parlay that uh, was uh, crippled by that horrific performance. It's not even the whole miss the field goal flag on the play. It's just the first three quarters 
Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, just horrific. But uh, it happens, and here we are today where both teams are right in the mix, and hopefully the Bills can emerge against Dallas and the Broncos lose to Detroit and the Bills are in a good spot. Nobody can score points and everyone is seven and six. Shout out to the NFL for 2023. No one can score points and uh, 13 teams are either six and seven or seven and six at this point in the season. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Razor, thank you for joining us again. Uh, You mentioned Razor has been killing it on the tennis picks, too. So if anyone wants to follow him on Twitter, he sent me uh, a rundown that he's that's that is not tennis. That is uh, oh. that is my screen name. That is the that's NFL. In the NFL, that's NFL. That is NFL. Yeah, that is not tennis. My screen name for the comp, uh, contest is uh, is is ten- has a tennis in it. But no, no, that that is a that is a four four games per week. Uh, ATS total pick them. I have a pretty good record and 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 a really good spot here in a massive league. Here I'm uh, I have a, a seven game lead over the guy that's in second place. So I'm number one out of about 89 participants. And um, I can't remember my record, Kyle. I don't know if you can pull it up there. It could be in your text message, but I see it right here. You're sitting at 44 and 12 on ATS picks this year, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. I wish I would have laid a couple, you know, several units on all of those particular picks, but I don't, I kind of just separate my, my handicapping when I'm betting with the books versus this contest, this contest again, uh, weeks one through 18, you have to select four plays per week, total or spread. No money lines. It's just those are situations and just kind of you mentioned it uh, two minutes ago. I The reason I'm doing so well, Kyle, is I would say about most of my plays are unders, right? I have played so many unders and they're coming home at about an 80 percent clip. Uh, which is quite remarkable this season. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many unders I've played and kind of cruise to a victory in some of these unders. So, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a fun contest. It's, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, a very, you know, one of those things where I always encourage people if, uh, if, if you don't have a huge budget to gamble, um, it's a $100 contest, but that gets you involved for 18 weeks. You do the math on that. It's like, you, you know, you're only involved on uh you know gosh like what under 10 bucks a week right that that and but you're still you know if you're still competing for a championship there's a lot of money at stake you know just south of ten thousand dollars so uh, as long as i don't go oh and four for the next uh, three out of four weeks i should uh, cruise to a championship which is pretty cool congratulations i'm excited that you have won this league that's that's pretty incredible and uh yeah it's just- yeah it, it's it's a lot of fun and i'll tell you you know the beauty of it is uh, I'm going to do something very dirty, Kyle, which a lot of people do in Survivor as well, which is smart. It's not dirty. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not illegal. But if somehow these guys that are right below me, second and third place, start creeping up on week 18, uh, there's no default for this. I can play. Let's say Jacksonville is playing Houston. I can select both teams. So I know I'm going to get one of the teams to emerge, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I can't go to 0-4, basically. It's impossible. So I can take, if I could take Jacksonville and Houston, then my next game, I'm just going to take over in the Cleveland game and under in the Cleveland game, and that's it. I'm guaranteed 2-2. Two and two. So the championship is pretty much secure with a seven-game lead. So very, and let, uh, listen, if I go 2-2 two and two for four weeks in a row and, and the second-place guy goes 4-0 and oh for four weeks in a row, then I'll I'll put my hands up and say that's amazing. Congratulations! You went sixteen and zero the last four four weeks. That's uh, that's almost impossible to do. But again, I don't think up, that will happen. So, yeah. When you look up two weeks from now and you're five games ahead, 
you just go two and two every time because he can't possibly yeah. lose. Yes, I would do that. Yeah. So right now I'm going to play it straight up. Um, you know, I don't want any controversy. I don't need to do it. Um, I'm seven games up, and if I go two and two, uh, legitimately here, and the next guy, and, and the thing is, if these guys right below me go two and two, then there's no path for them. So I'm in a good spot. I'm in a good spot, and it's a good holiday season to win that kind of money. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's like in fantasy football when you're up by 10 points and you just have a wide receiver left and you just take the receiver out of the lineup yeah, to guarantee yourself yeah. a win. In case he fumbles twice, right? You know, and, and then gets injured. And that happens, you know? Uh, or he fumbles. He fumbles, uh, yeah, a couple times. And, you know, it's just things, wonky things happen, right? And uh, I'm not letting, there's too much money at stake to let to, to let it go. I don't feel bad doing this. So, uh, and, and I, I see this strategy in Survivor, and I highly recommend it. If you had two entries, right, and you are down to seven or eight, nine players, and it's week 16, I feel like you almost have to do it to move on, right? You just take the, just say, hey, I have Houston is one of my entries and Jacksonville is the other entry. And if those two teams are playing, you're, you're moving on. Right. And that, that's something that anybody should be doing when it comes to that week, 16, 17 window. If you have two entries left. I appreciate that. That's good insight. Good yeah. way to good way to play the game. If you know that if you've played well enough to dominate, to start the season, that is a good strategy to hang on to razor thank you for joining us as always look forward to catching up with you later in the season and i'm rooting for your buffalo bills to come through here so hopefully we will catch up soon yeah i think a lot of people want to see buffalo in the playoffs i think they're a more fun team to watch who wouldn't want to see kc buffalo round one in the wild card that'd be pretty cool or miami buffalo even better right so uh good rivalry there so it'll be exciting uh have a great holiday season uh kyle ahead i'm sure we'll talk as we get closer to new year absolutely Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.